Hey everybody, how's it going? Jared from Different Church here. This video slash podcast is two things. You're gonna be very confused for a couple seconds if you're just listening to the podcast. So right now I am recording the intro for the podcast called How to Be a Christian. And I'm also using this video for social media, which is gonna release Monday, AKA right now because you're watching it on Monday. Uh, so it's a twofer, cool? So for regular listen, listeners of the podcast, how's it going? This is a little different than I normally record the intro to the podcast, uh, but that's okay. For anybody watching on social media, I wanted to let you know our Facebook stream crashed yesterday <clears throat> and it ended up getting split into two parts. So you may have a better experience um, listening to the podcast. So it's available right now. The link will be in the post below. Or if this is on Instagram, it might be on Instagram too. The link will be in our profile, okay? So sorry about the crash yesterday. You can still watch it. It's just you're gonna miss a couple minutes in the middle of Hannah's message. Um, okay, for those of you listening to the podcast, how's it going? Welcome, sorry to have such a strange and weird intro, but I wanted to kind of do a two for Inception special. <laughs> so hopefully you're having an awesome day. Uh, we had a really cool Sunday. We introduced a new band member, which is awesome. Uh, Noel joined and played ukulele, and he played uh, he played ukulele and he sang, and he's going to be back again in two weeks. Uh, we had a really good time hanging with him, and he seemed to really have a good time hanging with us. So, awesome. Uh, a couple things I've been telling you guys about for the past few weeks. Uh, this coming Sunday, the twenty fifth, <clears throat> it is Guiana and Peter's last Sunday for a couple months. They are going to be going to Denmark. So we really hope that we can have a nice and full Sunday. We want everybody to come out and sing really loud with us and see them off in a really cool way. We're gonna be hanging out after the service at Three Daughters again, a kind of a brunch lunch situation. Uh, Gianna and Peter will be there. We'd love for you to come out and hang with us. Uh, it's a really big place and it's still, you're kind of able to socially distance yourself if you want to. Um, my dog just got up in case you were listening and anyway, whatever. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this coming Sunday, come out. It's going to be a really cool day. Now, the week after, November 1st, <clears throat> first of all, we haven't mentioned this. It's actually a time change day. I believe we're going to gain an hour of sleep, which is awesome. And on Sunday, we've got a bunch of cool stuff going on. Number one, we're going to have a stand-up comedian performing as Jesus. So that's gonna be really awesome. The band is gonna be a different band than you've ever heard before at Different Church. And we've been planning the music for a while and I'm really pumped and excited about what that's gonna be like. And then Hannah is gonna do her kind of normal thing, maybe a little bit shorter than usual. Uh, and I think she's gonna talk about like kind of the importance of having fun. So, should be a really cool day. It's the day after Halloween and we demand that you cut loose a little bit and wear a costume. We're gonna do a costume contest. Everybody come in costume, kids, adults. We're gonna give out a prize or two. It's gonna be super cool and super fun. Okay? Okay, so this week, Gianna and Peter's last day for a couple months. And then the week after, stand-up comedian and costume contest. Cool? All right, without further adoes, Please check out the podcast if you're already listening to the podcast. I guess you're already checking it out. If you're watching this video, click the link below or in the profile. Hope you're having an awesome day. Say bye, Blue. Bye, Blue. Let's talk Jesus, shall we? 
that is why we're here, not just for me to ramble on about everything. I feel like I should title this message today, How to Be a Christian, in like 15 minutes. And our text from this morning, for this morning, comes from Philippians chapter 3, which was written by Paul, uh, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul wrote Philippians while he was in prison, because he had nothing else to do. Uh, Philippians is one of the many letters that Paul wrote. He wrote, as we said, two-thirds of the New Testament. He was always writing to all the tiny churches that were planted all around um, Asia and what we consider the Middle East and Israel and the whole place. But it seems like it's the most affectionate letter that Paul wrote. It's not just, he's not just like a leader to them or somebody who started something and then left or like dispenses some knowledge to them. It seems like they're his favorite. And they actually like him too. It's a two-way relationship. They have sent him monetary support. They've sent people to help him. They're always asking about him. So he, if you read like some of the letters in the New Testament, Paul gets pretty firm. Like if you read Corinthians, he's like, what is wrong with you people? Pretty much. And you read Philippians and he's like, you guys, I just love you so much. You're the best. I can't believe you're in my life. You're so wonderful. He's writing to encourage them. They're just his favorite. The point of Philippians is he, he's encouraging them to remember their unity in Jesus Christ. Remember, this is a very early church. So there was not a church on every street corner. In fact, there was not a church on any street corner. People met in homes. I would say in the entire city of Philippi, there was probably like 50 Christians. Maybe 100, but that's probably pushing it. So there, they met in someone's home or maybe a couple people's homes. There was no, like, I don't like the music, so I'm going to go somewhere else. <laughs> I don't like how she said that. I'm going to go somewhere else. I think those chairs are uncomfortable. I'm going to go somewhere. No, there was nowhere else to go. If you didn't like it, oh, well. <laughs> um, and I should say, like, this is a phenomenon we see in Jewish synagogues a lot. There's, like, one per town, usually, unless it's a pretty big town. And you will find, because much of my family is Jewish, they love to argue with each other. And then they go to brunch and have no problems. It's not like, oh, you disagree with me? Out. <laughs> no, there is nowhere else to go. So they're used to arguing and disagreeing with each other and then still being friends because that's the only option. So Paul is wanting to encourage them to stay together. Don't just quit because this is the only option. And he's talking to people from all walks of life. So there's poor people. There's a few people who are well off. They're probably meeting in those people's homes. Um, and not getting along is not an option. This is what Paul's writing Philippians for. Now, I'm sure most of you have heard this quote. Gandhi once said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are not at all like your Christ. This is an issue that the church has run into since the beginning. It, perhaps we're still running into it. <laughs> the problem is that the church is made up of humans. And 100% of the time, humans are going to screw it up. If not immediately, eventually. There will come a point where we will mess it up. Now, not just the whole following Jesus thing. We actively mess up like the baseline non-religious standard of be a decent person. All of us have had points in our life where we're like, wow, let's not ever talk about that that happened. I was not a decent person that day. 
So we get to have a little grace for others because we know what we're capable of. And Paul wants to make sure that the people in in Philippi who are so different from each other, that they can still have unity even though they are so different. And he's doing this while he's in prison facing capital charges. Spoiler alert, he does not make it out. He is executed. So he writes to them and he's like, this is how you act as a Christ follower. Basically, you're saying you believe in Jesus. Here's how you prove it. So we're going to pick up in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. This is what Paul says. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and one purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests. Take an interest in others too. So first Paul says, have you experienced any benefits? And he's talking to the Philippians. But I'm just going to read this like I'm talking to you. Have you, by being part of the church, ever felt encouraged? That you're part of a group now. You're not alone. Do you have hope that you didn't have before? Have you felt comforted, even though life is hard sometimes or a lot of the time? Have you had some strange peace in the middle of that when you didn't expect it? Have you made friends? Have you shared your life with other people? Have you gotten through tough things together? Has all of this, this whole process, the meeting together and the prayer and the study and the thinking about God and enjoying each other's company, has it made you a better person? Have you found yourself just even a little bit more compassionate than you used to be? A little kinder? Maybe a little less judgmental? Has the openness that you've experienced, both from God and from other people, has it made you a little more open? If that's the case, Paul says, if any of that is true in your life, then you must go further. You must take another step. If your life has been changed even a little bit, here's what you should do. Agree wholeheartedly with one another. Love each other. Work together. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress other people. Be humble. Don't be full of pride. Don't think you're better than other people. Take an interest in, what's in others and what's good for them. Well, that's quite a list. So let's think about that. Agree wholeheartedly with one another. Love each other, work together for one purpose. A bad interpretation of this verse would be to say that to agree wholeheartedly with one another, we have to agree with each other all the time on everything. How many of you who are in a relationship, married, have a partner, or have been in a relationship in your life, agree with your partner all the time? Jared's nodding, but he's the only one. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's literally impossible, right? And even if you have a friend, you're not going to agree with everyone all the time. It is impossible, and I would say even damaging, to tell people that we have to be on the same page about everything, especially theology. 
if you stick around long enough, you'll hear me say things like, in my faith tradition, or here is one interpretation of this passage. I'm never going to stand up here and give you a list of things that you have to believe in order to belong here. Now, there are certain things that we do believe as different church, like as an entity, we hold to the Apostles' Creed. But if you don't believe that, I'm not going to be like, get out. What are you doing in here? I would never say that. My goal for you is never to simply, like me, say something and you parrot it back to me. I do not want you to regurgitate what you've been taught in your life so that we can be on the same page. I want you to think. And if you arrive at a different conclusion than I have, that's fine as long as you have thought and reflected and prayed and like really considered how I feel about this issue or 100 issues, as long as you can think and you've used your mind, then I'll be happy. But if you're just like, no, this is what we believe because that's what I've been taught. No, no, that, that is thinking like a child. There's points in our lives where we need things to be very clear and we need things to be, this is what we believe and this is what we don't. When we have concrete thinking, but we are all adults in this room, I hope. <laughs> and we have a responsibility to truly reflect on our faith. We can disagree wholeheartedly on some things and still have unity. Like we can disagree on theology and still agree completely together that faith is important, that God is important, that this community is important, that we all have a sacred duty <clears throat> to explore our faith and continue to work towards building a place that welcomes everyone and shows love to everyone and accepts everyone we want unity in that. I don't want unity in specific theological doctrine. So first we agree. Then don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Don't be full of pride. Don't think you're better than other people. Don't be selfish. That's really hard. Like, I'm not going to stand up here and admit that I'm selfish, but I totally am. I'm super, I really like myself. Even on my worst day where I'm like, wow, you are. <sighs> I still really like myself. All of my decisions are still going to be based on what's good for me and what I want in that moment. And I do want to impress other people. I don't want people to think I'm a waste of space. I want people to like me. I want to have pride in myself, right? And some, some focus on ourselves and some pride in ourselves is a good thing. There is an infinity of goodness in us that we have access to. We don't need to be so available to other people that it drowns us. However, that is not what this verse is talking about. <laughs> this verse is specifically calling us out for all the times that we prioritize ourselves and we put our needs in front of everyone else's to their detriment, to all the times we think we're better than other people. <sighs> Even if we don't actively say it, we act like it. And Paul says, don't, you, don't focus on yourself all the time and what's good for you. Take an interest in other people. Think about what's good for them. 
And I think that's so appropriate, especially in today's world. Like the easiest thing we can do when we wake up in the morning is just only be focused on ourselves and not care at all about anyone else that we come into contact with. I mean, if things are working out for me, like why would I mess with the system? <laughs> I'm having a good time. Don't need to rock the boat. Now, when we think about what's good for other people, typically we go towards like a global scale. So we think about like systems like medical leave and maternity leave and affordable health care and safe housing and access to good education and all of that is necessary when we think about other people and we think about ourselves. But like we need to think about this on an interpersonal level too. So here's a tiny example. All of the slides for my sermons that I put together, I do my best to remember to put them in Arial font. Why? Because Arial font is a font designed specifically for, to help people with dyslexia distinguish between letters and be able to read it. It takes me like 30 seconds to do that. That is one tiny way that we can think about other people and not just myself. Because I'll be like, well, I can read Times New Roman. So who cares? But I have the privilege of thinking about someone else. And so like just as small as that, we can do. We are not, this is what we tell kids, right? When they're being really annoying. You are not the only person in the universe. <laughs> think about what's good for other people and make that a priority in your life. And sometimes, I don't want you to think I'm standing up here ye like yelling at you. <laughs> like you're all horrible. You're not the only person in the universe. I'm preaching to the choir, okay? I need this myself. I, sometimes I need my husband to look at me and be like, you are not the only person in the universe. <laughs> you need to be a better roommate. You need to be a better wife. You need to be a better... Pastor, you need to be a better employee. You need to be, you need to think of other people and take an interest in their lives. This is how you prove that Jesus has made a change in your life. But why? Why should we do this? Paul continues in verse five. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, took the humble position of a slave, and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. This is like one of those foundational theological passages in the New Testament that has birthed entire sections in systematic theology books. Like millions of pages have been written on this, and we do not have time <laughs> to get into all of that. But the basic concept is Jesus was God, but he didn't think that made him entitled to anything. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and was born as a human and lived as a human, even to the point of literally dying as a human. The Greek word is kenosis. It's like literally like an emptying of yourself. And when we think about this, like this is mind-boggling to me. The one person in the universe who actually is better than everyone else <laughs> didn't lord that over anyone pun intended. Instead, Jesus thought about what was good for other people 
and willingly gave up his divine privileges to become a human and help us. This is why we are supposed to act the way Paul tells us to act. We're supposed to be imitating Jesus. And think of all the things that Jesus did for us. The least we can do is not be selfish. If Jesus had everything and the right to everything and was the only person who could be like, I am better than you. (laughs) I'm Jesus. (laughs) And didn't do that. What gives us the right to ever say that? Like God becoming human? How do you even talk about that? I I think this is where our language breaks down. Like how do we even get to the point where we're like, God, infinite, human, finite, same thing. Sometimes we get really caught up in Jesus being God, which is totally fine, but we forget how human Jesus was. One of the most important things about Jesus being human is that it validates our humanity. There have been whole sects of the church that were like, being a human is awful. The physical realm is terrible. We don't need bodies. We're only spirits. Everything in the physical realm is bad. Don't you dare enjoy yourself ever in life. Um, This is not just like, a recent thing in the American church. Because, you know, if you grew up evangelical, it was like, don't drink, don't dance, definitely no sex. Don't associate with people who do, don't ever have any fun. This goes all the way back to the beginning of the early church. There were whole congregations of people that were like, the physical realm is bad. My body is bad. My emotions are bad. And that is simply not true. Otherwise, Why did Jesus become human? Jesus, and we're coming up on Christmas, which is my favorite. We're not going to get there. Okay, calm down. It hasn't even been Halloween yet. We're not going to put up any decorations. But like, Emmanuel means God with us. One of the most foundational scriptures in the New Testament. God with us. Jesus a human to validate who we are because the systems in the world around us teach us things like there's only one way to live if you want to survive it teaches us things like I have no choice that's just the way it is my hands are tied there's nothing we can do but God didn't just transcend reality and like lob advice at us from heaven God entered reality as a human to show us that it's possible to live an alternate life, that we actually do have a choice, that it doesn't have to be this way. God actually knows, actually has been there, actually lived as a human and still didn't give in to all the things that we give in to like jealousy and rage and hatred and violence and hopelessness and shame. And Jesus became a human to show us that humanity is worth something. When we say things like you're made in the image of God, that's not like just a trite phrase. That means something. It means something like you have an infinite amount of goodness inside of you that you can tap into. And I get we can be the worst. Like two things can be true at once. We can be awful and also great. 
but this is why we are supposed to agree with each other and love each other and work towards building community together. This is why we aren't trying to impress each other. And this is why we work for the common good. Because we have an example of somebody who did that for us. I don't want someone to look at me and be like, she's the reason I do not like to go to church. I really don't want someone to look at me and be like, well, I was interested in Jesus, but then I met someone who said they were a Christ follower and she was awful. And at some points we're all gonna mess up. That's part of being human, right? We can say, and then we apologize. But I don't think, for me, what it comes down to is, if you say this is what you believe, how should your life reflect that? And it's really easy. And Jesus boils down, he says, oh, this is what the, all the law and all the prophets, and he's speaking specifically of the Old Testament, which is hundreds of pages, all the law and all the prophets boil down to this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then how do you do that? Paul explains. Don't be selfish. Don't be prideful. Don't think of yourself as better than others. Agree with each other. Love each other. Because Jesus did this for us. And that's the most valuable thing we could ever do. Is just try to act like Jesus. So we're going to sing two more songs. And then the band will dismiss you. And then we'll go to brunch. And we're going to pray first. And just reflect on this. Because I really like our last two songs especially. Um, so I just invite you to reflect like where in your life today, this week, can you act a little more open? Can you act a little more kind? Can you accept a few more people? Let's pray. Faithful God, your grace carries us through the unimaginable. When we are afraid that we can't bear the turmoil around us, you sustain our spirits. When we struggle to find the path of justice and healing, you speak to us and you guide us. As the whole earth groans for freedom, we find our way forward through daily practices of love. Love that makes us generous instead of selfish. Love that makes us take risks and stand up for each other. Love that considers the needs of others as all the others in our faith community consider our needs. We are fulfilled when we give and receive. Give us the strength to be daring and work for freedom together. Come, Spirit of God, and rise among us. Amen.